House of the Lord once again. And David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. That's too, that's too weak. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord once again? Amen. Praise the Lord. We don't, we don't just come here to say, just, you know, to say hello to Jesus, you know. We just, we come here to worship Him, to praise Him, to magnify Him, to glorify Him. I'm reminded of this, <clears throat> a burglar who broke into a house uh, at midnight, and he started stealing, and filling up his bag. And uh, while he was doing it, he heard a voice. It says, bless him, Jesus. So he ignored it. He ignored it. Keep on uh, stealing. And then he heard the voice once again. Bless him, Jesus. So he picked up his flashlight and walked to the next room. Slowly, very slowly. And then he saw a bird cage. He lift up his flashlight and focus it on, on the, the bird cage. And he saw it was a parrot. And the parrot said, Bless him, Jesus. And then he slowly brought down his flashlight and focused it on the back. And he saw a snarling Doberman pincher ready to eat him for lunch. And the bird said, Say hello to Jesus. <laughs> Say hello to Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you love the Lord, can you say amen? Amen. amen? amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In his book, When God Doesn't Make Sense, Dr. James Dobson told the story of a man who was driving his truck on a narrow mountain road. To his right was a cliff that dropped nearly 500 feet to a canyon below. As the driver rounded the curve, he suddenly lost control of the vehicle. It plunged over the side and bounced down the mountain, bursting into flames at the bottom. Although the terrified, terrified uh, man was ejected at his truck, as his truck went over the edge, he managed to grab a bush that grew near the top. There he was frantically holding the small limb and dangling precariously over the abyss. After trying to pull himself up for several minutes, he called out in desperation. He said, is anybody up there? In a few seconds, the thundering voice of God echoed across the mountain. Yes, I'm here. God said, what do you want? The man pleaded, please save me. I can't hold on much longer. After another agonizing pause, the voice said, all right, I will save you. But first, you must turn loose of the limb and trust me to catch you. Just release your grip now. My hands will be under you. 
The dangling man looked over his shoulder at the burst, burning truck in the valley below. And then he called out, is anybody else up there? <laughs> Today we continue our sermon series, Storm Chasers. And the title for today's message, Faith Tested by Storm. Let's open our book, uh, or let's read Mar Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 40. You have Mark. And let's read it. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Verse. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let's bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again, Lord God, that we can come to you in your presence, Lord God. Father, we ask that you will have preeminence in this service, Lord God. That you will speak to our hearts, Lord God. Lord, let your Holy Spirit, Lord God, move mightily in our midst today, Lord. And Lord, we will be very careful, Lord, to give back all the glory, the honor, and the praises to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. How many of you know that life is full of tests? We have blood tests, driving tests, eye tests. Police gives you a sobriety test, a lie detector test, and all sorts of tests. If you are a student, before you move to the next level, you go through a bunch of tests. But how many of you know that God tests our faith also? Listen to this in Job chapter 7, verse 17 and 18. says, What are mere mortals that you should make so much of us? And then verse 18. For you examine us every and test us every moment. Why would God do that? I'll tell you why and listen to this. Because a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. How important is faith? Hebrews 11.6 says, we learn that Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you are incapable of pleasing God. No other component of the Christian life 
is more important than faith. In fact, it is so important that without faith, you have no place with God. You can never have an audience with God without faith. God designed faith to distinguish you that belong to Him and those who don't. There are 1,001 ways to please God, but none of them will work without faith. Going to God without faith is like going to the mall without money. Did I connect it with the women there? You know, one time uh, we went to Grand Forks, and I was at uh, Target uh, just buying a pack of gum. And I pulled some coins, you know, and handed it to the lady at the counter. And she politely returned to me some of the coins because it was a Canadian, Canadian coins. And so at that moment, God taught me some lesson. That in states, you know, the currency is U.S. currency. It's, it's called U.S. dollar, right? In Canada, it's a Canadian currency, and it's called Canadian dollar or loonie. In Japan, you go to Japan, their currency is yen. And the kingdom of God has its own currency, and it's called faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. So without faith, you cannot get anything from God. Without faith, you cannot please God. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. Faith is the daring of the soul to put your hand on the hand of God and to attempt the impossible. Nothing is impossible to those who believe. Faith drove Noah to build an ark. Faith drove Moses from the desert to face Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the face of the earth, and said, let my people go. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he do not see God, death. By faith, Abraham left Ur looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. He never found the city, but he died in faith looking for it. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, that he might gain a crown that faded not away. By faith, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Roman church that says, the just shall live by faith. And the Reformation was born. Faith. Do you have it? Because God can see your faith just like you can see me. God tests our faith not for him to see where we are in our faith. Because God knows where we are in our faith in him, with him. He knows the cracking point of our faith. He knows 
how much our faith can endure. But rather, God tests us for you and me to see and know for our own selves where we are in our faith with Him. Deuteronomy chapter 6, or chapter 8, verse 16 says, He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. So, it is for our own good when we pass through the storms of life. Because our faith has a chance to grow and become stronger. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. These trials are only to test your faith. To show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire test and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, if somebody tells you that if you live a godly life, God will not test you. They are just simply giving you a biblical position that is baseless and totally untrue. Believers are not protected from the storms of life. Just because you're a Christian don't mean that you get a free pass from the storms of life. Look at the life of Joseph. From a favored son to a slave to a prisoner. How many of you know that this is a situation that gone from bad to worse? Joseph could have chosen to be bitter. Joseph could have chosen to be angry at God. Joseph could have chosen to turn his back on God. He could have said, Forget about this righteousness. Forget about this living a godly life. No. Joseph remained faithful to God in the storm that has grown in intensity. He maintained his character and integrity while enduring the storm. Look at the passage. Look at the disciples in the passage that we read. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, uh, 35 to 40. We can go back there. The disciples were not in the storm because they were disobedient. Right? Because in verse 35 says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. In verse 36, So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. You don't see any disobedience there. They obeyed Jesus. They were not in the storm because they had done something wrong. They were in the storm because they had done something right. 
Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And the disciples says, okay, Lord, whatever you say. They got into the ship and they started toward the other side. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Storms of life will show up unexpectedly. Knocking in the midnight hour at your front door. And you have two choices. Whether you let fear open the door or you let faith open the door. You know how I wish God gives us some warning before the storms come. Storms of life can strike out of a clear blue sky. Suddenly, you find yourself in the middle of the storm. Like what happened to me. We were having a, our uh, small groups Bible study. And I received a phone call that I was laid off. See, that's, that's a storm. Dark cloud can come uh, hanging above your head right away. Storms of life are normal in the life of the believer. So if storms of life are normal, how many of you feel normal today? Storms comes in all packages and in all sizes and in all intensity. Some storms are financial storms. And many people are going through this because of the uncertainty in the financial world. Some are relational storms. Some are spiritual storms. Some storms are physical storms. They have to do with our health. Some storms are emotional storms. Now, when you come to work in the morning and your boss is waiting for you and says, You're fired! What is this? Storm. When your spouse comes home after work and says, I'm filing for a divorce. What is this? This is a storm. When your teenage daughter comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. What is this? This is a storm. When your finances are in shambles and you're up to your eyeballs in debt and bills kept piling up, what is this? This is a storm. When your doctor phoned you and wanted to see you immediately at the clinic, and once you get there, the doctor says to you, you have a cancer and you are in a fight for your life. What is this? This is a storm. Some of you might be going through some of the toughest moments and the fiercest storms in all your life. Some of you probably just came out of the storm with your held up high, victorious in Jesus. And some of you probably enjoying the sunny weather for now. But sooner or later, you will go through a storm and your faith must stand trial. Your faith will be tested by storm. No one gets a free pass from the storms of life. Righteous or unrighteous. Sinner or saint. 
Are you in the storm right now? That's wonderful. James said in uh, ver- uh, James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Storms is an asset. Storm is the gateway to discovering the power and the presence of the Almighty God in your life. How can you know that God is a healer unless you've been in a battle with sickness and disease? How can you know that God is your provider unless you have experienced to be in need? How can you know that God is a friend that's taken closer than a brother unless you have been abandoned and rejected by your friends and your loved ones? How can you know that God is a deliverer unless you have been freed from the bondage of addiction that enslave you? Habits that embarrass you, habits that rob you of your dignity and of your good name. Storms will expose your weakness as well as your strength. Storms will expose the surface flaws as well as the inner flaws in your life. Good times don't reveal who you really are. Storms will. Good times don't reveal what you are made of, but storms of life will. And good times don't reveal who you got inside. You will never know that you have faith until you are in a good fight. Gold is tested by fire to purify it. Soldiers are tested by combat, not by dress parade. A rubber band is not a rubber band until you stretch it. A song is not a song until you sing it. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. And faith is not faith until it goes through the test of storm. The darker the night, the brighter the stars. The hotter the fire, the purer the gold. Remember this. The tea kettle, remember the tea kettle. It sings its sweetest song when it's up to its neck in hot water. Right? Real faith is tested and proven in the furnace of affliction. Faith is tested when it goes through the fiery storms of life. Because anybody can shout and dance and sing hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God, when all the bills are paid. Money is in the bank. Children are doing fine in the school. And SUV in the garage. And when everything is going fine around you, right? But what about when there's no money in the bank? And you don't know when are you getting your next meal? Your kid was kicked out of school. 
And all you have is a 1972 Hugo in your garage that won't even start. That's really bad. I tell you, brothers and sisters, it must be Christ when things are right. Christ when things are wrong. Christ when I got lots of money. Christ when I don't have a dime. And Christ when I don't have a food on my table. What do you do when you are in the storm? And how do you respond to the storm? Hey, listen to this. The first and the foremost thing to do is run to God for shelter. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The worst thing that you can do is to run away from God. God is our first line of defense. God is the first one you must run into. You go to God right away. You don't consult Dr. Phil or Oprah or anybody on television. Those guys can't even cross the street without a lawyer and a psychiatrist on each hand. Right? They need their lawyers. God is our shelter in time of trouble. He is our refuge in the time of storm. He is our fortress in the time of struggle. He is our tower in the time of war. He is our healer in the time of sickness. He is our comfort in the time of grief. He is our stronghold in the time of weakness. He is our helper in the time of need. He is our rock of ages and He is faithful and true. And He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Seek ye first the kingdom of God because He cares because He cares for you. Because He cares for you. It's not Medicare. It's not Obamacare. It's Jesus cares. Right? Amen. Praise God. Number two. Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do a spiritual checkup of your life and find out and make sure you are not the cause of this storm. You have to be brutally honest about yourself. Maybe it's a sin in the past or some stupid choices and decisions you have made in your life. That's the case. Go to God in repentance immediately and ask for forgiveness and mercy. Don't go to God and ask God for justice because you will get what, rightfully de- what you rightfully deserve. Don't ask God for your right because you don't have any. Rather ask God for forgiveness and mercy Examine yourself. 
Number three, pray always and never give up. Luke 18 verse 1 says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Okay? Always pray and never give up. I know this is an area where Christians struggle the most. But prayer is something you can do anytime, anywhere, and whatever you're doing. From a foxhole to a laundry room in your basement, you can do it anywhere. When you're, talking, uh, when you're taking your finals exams, when you're uh, just fishing by yourselves, pray. He is waiting for you. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you, God says. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He will do it. No good thing will I withhold from those that diligently seek me. He is greater than the giants you are facing. He is greater than the mountains you are climbing. He is greater than the burdens that you are carrying. He is greater than the storms you are going through today. There is no God like our God. He is greater. He is mighty to save. He is faithful. Greater is He that is within me than He that is within the world. Nothing is impossible with God and with you. And also, wait patiently for Him to move on your behalf. I said, wait patiently. Not praying at 9 o'clock and you want an answer by 9.05. No. Kingdom of God doesn't work and operate that on your time frame. Pray always and never give up. Number four, realize that Jesus is in the boat with you. Mark 4.38 says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. He was there. Jesus promised that He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that promise stands forever. While you, are, while you are in the storm, His eyes are on you and His hand is on the thermostat. So don't panic. It doesn't help. Panic doesn't help. It doesn't do you any good. A man was, was panicking and dialed 911. He said, help, help. My wife is pregnant and her contractions are only two minutes apart. And the 911 operator asked, Is this her first child? And the man said, No, you moron, this is her husband. <laughs> so don't panic. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> Praise God, praise God. So don't panic. 
You know, have you ever seen uh, on TV uh, a TV announcement where it says uh, the regular program was uh, interrupted and the screen shows colored lines and says, this is a 60-second test. Do not adjust your TV. And then it says, beep. It says like that. Uh, have, have you seen that on TV? Uh, probably if you're older like me, you know. If you're older, older like me, it's, uh, you know, you, you have seen it. But, uh, yeah, there's always, like, FCC will, will test the TV signals or whatever. And it says, this is a 60-second test. And it says, beep. And you sit down there and watch it. Beep. And then after 60 seconds, the normal programming resumes, you know. And I wonder, why would God... Why won't God do that to us? You know, give us a warning. Jesse, this is a 60-second test. Or, or, or this is a 30-day test. Don't adjust your TV, you know. <laughs> Don't throw in the towel. Don't call your lawyer. Don't divorce your wife. You know, this is just a 30-day test. Don't panic. Remember, Jesus is in the boat with you. You are safer with God in the middle of the storm than you are anywhere else without Him. Number five, and last, I'm right on time. <laughs> I'm right on time. I'm looking. I'm, I'm watching my clock here. Number five, Trust and praise Him at all times. Trust and praise Him at all times. Pour out your heart before Him. Psalms 62 verse 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And then verse 59 uh, Psalms 59, verse 16, if you have that, it says, But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. Trust and praise Him at all times. You know... If you want to stay longer, if you want to stay longer in your problem, here's what you do. Roll up your bottom lips and start blaming God. You know, start blaming God, you know, and start murmuring. Go to your basement at the corner of your room there and suck your thumb until it falls off and and God will see it that you will sizzle like bacon in an iron skillet. And, you know, until you change your attitude, you will not get out of that storm. That is why, you know, we have to trust and praise Him all the times. David did that. He praised God. When he is in trouble, he praised God. He worshiped Him. When, when Joseph was in trouble, did he curse God? No, he didn't. 
That is why when you go to the storm, you can say with confidence that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil. So how do we respond to the storm? Run to God for shelter. Examine yourself. Pray always and never give up. For realize that Jesus is in the boat with you. And five, trust and praise him at all times. Let's bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God. Father, you are so good, Lord God. Lord, when we are in the middle of the storm, Lord God, you never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. Father, many here, Lord God, are in the middle of a storm right now. Father, may you comfort them, Lord God. And Father, may you make them victorious, Lord. And that when they come out, we will have a great testimony of your goodness. We will have a great testimony of your power, Lord God. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, for your protection, Lord. And Lord, we give you back all the glory, the honor, and the praises, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You are dismissed. Praise the Lord.